Welcome to part two of our talk with Tim Bonus about his new album, Flowers at the Scene. Tim, you had some very special folks helping create Flowers at the Scene. I'm going to list some who I really want to make sure we talk about. Uh, maybe that's a little selfish because I'm a fan of some of these guys <laughs> here. But after we've done that, you know, please point out some of the others as well that helped in the making of this album. For me and, and possibly you, not that you want to pick favorites, I have to point out Peter Hamill. Peter was on Stupid Things, but I think he plays a slightly greater role on this one. And for those who don't know, uh, Hamill was, of course, the main part of Vandergraaf Generator and a very prolific solo career as well. We got to mention him first, right? Uh, absolutely. Well, Peter's kind of been a friend really for many years, I'm pleased to say. That, um, he's someone who, when I first started out singing, he was um, one of the biggest inspirations me and there's a particular album um, he made called Over which I thought was incredibly beautiful and personal and when I was in my teens it was um, you know perhaps my, my favorite album of all time so it, it, it's a great thrill to somebody who meant so much to me when I was growing up and of course Vandergraaf Generator were uh, a big inspiration as well particularly Porn Hearts and um, through the years of, of being a musician our paths crossed a lot because for some reason we've always had um, a decent following in Italy, and we ended up on the same Italian compilation albums, or we ended up being asked to be on the same album by certain Italians. And in fact, we we both work with quite a big Italian pop star called Alice, and she's um, produced a sort of mature ballad pop music, but but always has very um, interesting taste. And so she's worked with a lot of people, such as Peter, myself, um, Ben Coleman from No Man, uh, Mick Khan. Dave Gregory from XTC and um, uh, Steve Jansen as well from from Japan and I've, I've, Peter and I both um, we've gigged with her in in Italy as well and over the years our paths uh, crossed and eventually we we did some music together and um, and following that we now actually live in the same small town in Britain which is quite odd so mm. uh, you know he's occasionally my um, coffee and chat companion where we put the world to rights. Mainly musically and politically, of course. How cool. How cool. And um, it was great that somebody who I'd admired when I grew up and was was a huge influence, particularly because his work is so honest and so passionate, um, turned out to be such a genuine and gentle man. I mean, as I always say to people, he is as gentle and affable as his music is ferocious. (laughs) Um, That's often the case, isn't it? You meet, I mean, I've. I think of like some some metal guys I've met, and um, you know their music is just ferocious and, and harrowing and so aggressive and, and hateful. Yet they're the nicest guys, sweetest guys. Well, and you and you get the reverse of that because obviously you get people like Chet Baker, Stan Getz, and John Martin, and they were monsters. <laughs> so, so <that> <laughs> sure, it doesn't bode well for me, really, does it? You know. I can't <laughs> And then let's let's jump to uh, Jim Matheos from Fate's Warning and OSI. I mean, you your history with him, as far as I know, was just uh, you sang on a song that ended up being kind of a bonus track on OSI's Blood album. Yeah, they asked me to to sing a song about seven years ago, I think, and um, seven or eight years ago, and I really enjoyed the experience. We we kept in touch because Jim was very positive about it, and. Um, 
for me, again, it was nice because I think it was 100% true to what I do, but it was also very faithful to the OSI approach of this kind of technical contemporary art metal. And um, Jim has occasionally through the years kind of um, asked for advice and, and vice versa. And so it was great to get him involved in something because he's such a versatile player. I mean, one of the reasons I got these people is because they would add something and because they had opinions. So with Peter Hamill, you know, he added to the material and he had opinions. It was a creative process. And the same with Jim, that, you know, a lot of people know him for his work with Fates Warning and OSI, but he's got incredibly broad tastes. So he likes ambient, experimental, ballad, mm. pop, um, as well as metal. And um, not only has he got the taste, he's got the ability to match this. I mean, not a lot of people have heard his ambient music or his classical guitar work, but... It was just, I felt he could bring out a quality in the music. Because again, when you work with people, you've got to work with people who will bring out the best in the material. And and that is why I went for people I went for. And um, one of the more interesting things about this album, perhaps, is I, I don't know if you've ever seen this documentary on the making of Steely Dan's Asia. It's a classic albums documentary. And I was always struck by the way that they were getting four bass players on track, six drummers, four guitarists to try out the solo. And the solo would then be played... 17 times and i've never really gone for that approach before but actually on this album um there was a bit of that where actually on probably two-thirds of the album i had three or four drummers working on pieces two or three bass players um two guitarists because i was after certain approaches and it was, it was kind of interesting getting these very different variations on the material so so what got used really was what i felt was um, write for the piece or had done something different for the piece and so there were a couple of outtakes from the album for example that feature Peter Hamill and Jim that that are fantastic but they don't quite fit what I wanted so you know all of this was, was stuff that was being given that, that I felt was um, effective uh, for the songs really right right yeah I mean you know Jim's contribution to it's the world is unmistakable if you know Jim I look at the credits on that particular song, which to me is a uh, one of the highlights of the album for sure. And it's got Peter Hamill, Jim Matheos, and Stephen Wilson. And I'm thinking like between those three guys and you, like that's half of my record collection. I think that's like, <laughs> you know, in terms of like how many albums these guys have been on that are that are really amazing that I, I think a lot of us listeners and fans will uh, really respond to. So there's, there's a lot of exciting guests on this album. And we'll keep going. Um, there's Andy Partridge from XTC, no less. Uh, yeah, Andy Partridge, again, I've been a fan of um, XTC from, from very early on. I think when I was about 12, they won a, a, an English TV program called Magpie, mm. and it was their debut single. And there was a kind of a musicality uh, about it that really appealed to me, because, you know, luckily when I was that age, I could dip into prog rock, jazz rock, punk rock, new wave, jazz, 
because it was just all music. And, and I was sort of brought up in a place between Liverpool and Manchester. And the advantage of that is that um, it wasn't the cutting edge like London, but you still got access um, to things. And um, so for me, all music was, was, was inspirational. And certainly, you know, XTC were there as, as um, one of the earliest bands that I, that I liked a lot and I've, you know, followed their career um, through to today and, um, and, you know, got to know uh, people like Andy Partridge and Dave Gregory, who's also working with Big Big Train. And, um, yes, it was, it, it was a joy working with him because, um, once more, he had strong opinions on the piece. It gave quite a number of, of variations on how he thought it should go. And I think he completely understood that it kind of had an end-of-season sadness and um, he completely um, captured that for me. Right, right. And he's on a track called What Lies Here. It's the final song in the album. And absolutely worthy of note, or equally worthy of note, is that Kevin Godley's on this thing. And uh, I'm, I'm a huge fan of 10CC. I might even be a bigger fan of Godley and Cream. And I don't know where you land with those two bands uh, or projects. But, man, I mean, Kevin Godley is quite a figure. I mean, good, well, you know, good job. <laughs> thank wow. you. Well, it, that was, was odd. It just kind of came to me that his would be the perfect voice because 10CC were probably the first band I ever got into. The first single I bought when I was um, 11 was I'm Not In Love, and it had this Kevin Godley sung B-side called Good News, which was incredibly melancholic. And um, I, I did have, you know, a relatively miserable childhood and adolescence, and so it was perfect music for it. Mm. And... Um, he would always sing the sad closing song on the 10 CC album, a song like don't hang up, but it was devastating. Yeah. So, you know, I, I was um, a big fan of his singing for 10 CC and a big fan of 10 CC and yeah, possibly an even bigger fan of Godly and cream who for me, I think they're one of the most underrated art pop art rock bands ever. You know, some of their work in the late seventies, early eighties belongs to be seen alongside the work of people like Hamill, Gabriel Fripp, Brian Eno, Bill Nelson, you know, they were fantastically inventive. Agreed, totally uh, agree, yeah. And so I, I, I've got all of their their projects, and, I, and I've, I've followed his career since, and, and I don't actually think he's, um, although he's done guest vocals, I don't think he's done anything substantial that's been released since 1988. So I, I got in touch with him via um, an American publicist, and luckily he liked the song, and it, it was great, again, having somebody who would have been one of my favorite singers growing up. So, so on the album, I've got two of my, probably two of my four favorite singers as I was growing up. When I was a sort of early adolescent, I'd say that Peter Hamill, Peter Gabriel, David Bowie, Kevin Godley were perhaps my, my four favorite singers. And, and the fact that two of them appear on the album, um, you know, it, it's still a thrill to this day um, that, that I'm able to sort of work, you know, work with people who are so sort of influential on uh, my approach to music. My soul brooded to the land Cold, cold air Light Out of reach and waving 
But, you know, throughout the album, as you said, there are, there are other people I think who give um, some fantastic performances. I've got to highlight Brian Hulse, who, as I said, was the person I'd um, sort of worked with in Plenty, which was my pre-Noman band. And, and he's somebody who has been working for IBM for about the last 30 years. But his ability as a musician and his sensitivity as, as a producer has completely remained intact and he's continued to, to grow. And... Um, Colin Edwin, who's been my bass player of choice on, on all the solo albums, um, still comes up with things that surprise me. You know, once more, tremendously able and versatile player. Underrated, too. You talk about Godly Cream being an underrated duo. I think Colin Edwin has uh, always been underrated as a bassist. I mean, incredible guy. Totally. Yeah. Uh, totally. I mean, and, you know, he can do anything from world to experimental to metal to to funk pop he's got it all in his um musical vocabulary and once more you know we'll always have um ideas about pieces um and of the drummers i used one of them was a was a complete unknown um to me at least a guy called tom atherton and he'd sent me a demo about two years ago and um by day he teaches drums at a university and by night he plays in a death metal band hmm. but i thought his playing was extraordinary and so um he was one of the drummers who tried out on almost all of the pieces and, uh, and actually appears on almost all of the pieces. And um, again, some incredibly inventive um, performances from him. And what I really like about both him and Colin, who work together brilliantly as a rhythm section, is that what he'll do is give the piece a certain directness and accessibility while also providing moments of interest. You know, what you can get sometimes... Um, with players are players who want to put too much information in and in some ways the playing is brilliant but it doesn't serve the piece and um, Tom was just quite superb at absolutely serving what the piece needed and then every few bars there'd be a couple of touches that told you this was an incredibly intelligent and sensitive drummer and then we have David Longdon no less from Big Big Train on uh, Borderline yeah, well, David, I, I, I've known for a few years, and um, I sang on a big, big train B-side last year. So we met up in Peter Gable's Real World Studios in Box and um, had a good time. So, so socially, I really like the band. I, I met them at Prog Awards Ceremony about five years ago. And it was interesting in the sense that we, we talked to them a lot. And I immediately felt that, you know, if I'd have been younger and starting out, these are the sort of people I'd have wanted to perform a band with because... They were all very gentle, very curious, um, very enthusiastic, and very much reminded me of the sort of people that I ended up in bands with, like uh, Stephen Wilson and Stephen Bennett. Um, and we sort of stayed in touch socially and have also uh, professionally, because Burning Shed have um, hosted the Big Big Train store for the last um, two or three years. And uh, when they were recording some b-sides last year i went into the studio and did a duet with david and so this was a kind of um return favor and um again added some gorgeous backing vocals which going back to the steely dan asia but almost steely dan gaucho he sort of he reminded me he had that kind of very rich resonant almost michael mcdonald quality on this and mm. um which which i'm sure he might not be flattered by <laughs> But I thought it worked, and I liked it. Yeah, that's, um, and that's all that matters. It's, it's that your is album. All that Indeed. And, <laughs> and, and, and effectively, that kind of very, that very 
thick, rich, resonant backing vocal was, was very much raised after from him. And um, he also added a, a very beautiful flute solo that was interacting with um, an Australian trumpet player I'd used called Ian Dixon. And, um, you know, they worked together like a dream. So, yeah, it, it was very nice. And, and David, a bit like Peter Hamill, is um, one of those characters who is incredibly accessible, incredibly affable and um, very easy to deal with. That's our talk with Tim Bonus about some of the guests on Flowers at the Scene. Join us for the third and final part of this discussion. We'll talk about the state of music in 2019, where physical formats stand, uh, the importance of artwork. We'll talk about some streaming services, if you're game. We'll see you then. Mm-hmm.